This episode brought to you by BRE Promotions. Whether you're just starting out or evolving your brand, BRE Promotions offers you expertly crafted disruptions that'll take you to the next level. BRE Promotions, we make your business shine. Visit us at brepromotions.com to schedule your free consultation. No, Bob Boomy. This is Chris Cyrus, host of the Venomous Fringe, and you're listening to No Boo Boo Me, where we are going deep inside the Goblin universe with your host, Brian Bowden. Hello, goblins, ghouls, and guests. Welcome back to Nobobumi, where we go deep inside the goblin universe, where we explore the unknown, the known, and anything else that we can think of. It's going to be a great show tonight. I'm welcoming back a friend of the show to the uh, broadcast right now. Uh, he's got a lot of different podcasts he's been through. He's done a lot of interviews and a lot of research. And he is the host of Venomous Fringe. Great podcast. Check it out. Chris Cyrus, welcome back to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, Brian. Thank you for having me back on. I'm doing fantastic, brother. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. It's always a pleasure to have friends and family on and, uh, you know, catch up with stuff. It's been a long time since we've been uh, back together chatting. So uh, I think it's going to work out really, really well. So uh, before we get into the nitty-gritty and the, the scary and the spooky and all that other good stuff that you and I like to do, um, let's give the fans and friends that are joining us for the first time uh, some background on you. How did you get started in, uh, we'll start with uh, the paranormal end of everything and then, you know, podcasting and the like? Well, you know, basically where it all started for me was uh, back in the 2000s. Uh, I was I started out as getting intrigued by cryptozoology, the existence of Sasquatch and Loch Ness, and then I progressed into the UFO theory, the whole Area 51 discussion, Roswell. But normally, I mean, where all that all began with me was basically in the late 2000s by watching shows like Unsolved Mysteries and then watching old YouTube clips of In Search of with Leonard Nimoy. And it was interesting to me because I found it intriguing because I've, it just—it sounds as if in my mindset of how I see things, of there's more to the world, there's more to the universe that we aren't aware of because of whatever is the purpose of the, the reasonings behind that, and unfortunately to the public domain, to majority, they don't know. And it's important that some people do know a little bit about what goes on in the world, and especially after speaking to people, uh, friends and family that have had some interesting stories to tell about the paranormal and even with cryptids, that I'm convinced that there's more to the outsides. Or So that's basically where I stand with it, what got me into it all. And... You know, when it came to the whole podcast format of it, I, I saw how interesting how, you know, you had people such as Vic Cundiff of Dogman Encounters or even Art Bell and George Norrie of Coast to Coast that have done years of, of podcasting on this discussion and in radio and, and it's just intriguing so for me I wanted to kind of start that as well and get into it because it was intriguing to me at the same time it would be an interesting little hobby to do and you know here I am I'm doing it now and people love it and it's pretty clear that this is one of the hottest trends one of the reasons why I think people want to go on the internet is to hear podcast excerpts from stories of eyewitnesses and uh, researchers who study the cryptids and paranormal and it's 
been a fascinating hobby for so many. I, I'm, it's great to see it evolve the way it has, then it's still being in the dark compared to what was back in the years before internet was even a thing. So for me, that's kind of where it all began with the uh, in- interest. And then, of course, of like with podcasting, the same thing with interest. And that's where it all started. Yeah, you know, I was, it, people ask me, like, what, what started you on a podcast? And I could tell you the same thing. Um, I always thought about doing podcasts. I did a little radio in college. Um, it was fun. Uh, and I know that uh, through my own personal experiences in the paranormal field since I've been six, same type of shows, that's what really got me started. Um, I, I always dreamed of, like, I'd like to ask this guy a question about this because I've always had my own questions. You know, you're watching In Search Of or, or you're reading some book, and now with the way the Internet works, everybody can have a podcast and everybody can offer people to come on their program. A lot of these people are pretty generous with their time, and we do appreciate you coming on. Uh, but now I get to I get to ask these questions, and lo and behold, um, I've become friends with these people uh, through my own research and association. Not only just for the podcast, so I hear where you're coming from with this. I mean, it is an interesting topic. Um, <laughs> it it scares the hell out of a lot of people, wouldn't you think? I mean, you know, I mean, how many times I've been to. Um, I'm talking about Dogman, for example, because let's let's we'll just go start with that. Uh, this you don't know how many times um, someone will ask me, well, "What's a Dogman? Is it like a dog or you know, part dog, part man?" And I said, "Well, uh, if you ever see, you ever see the movie Van Helsing, and nine out of ten people say, yeah, I've seen that.' Well, you know the werewolves in there? Yeah, I said, well, that's Dogman. Dogman is just a a nice way of saying a lichen, um, and they're real. And the minute <laughs> the minute you say they're real. Um, I don't know if you've ever gotten that look, but you get this look like, okay, this guy's batshit crazy. But then you start going into the evidence you've you've researched yourself. You know, like you have people that are coming on the internet that have a lot more to lose than gain. There's no fame and fortune for telling people you believe in werewolves, um, and people that are work for government agencies that have their clearance they have to worry about, and they're telling you their experiences. Now, yes. Um, I mean, some of these stories can be, you know, made up. And they kind of, like, when you make something up, you, you kind of get a good vibe on, on the people that are trying to BS you. But there are way too many people that know too much about certain policies and the way things work government-wise. And for them to come out and tell you where they were and what experiences they had with it, you got to give it a little more validity. So I, I just, I, I hear what you were saying before, and I, and I just wish... You all the success in the world with Venomous Friends. You do put on a great podcast, by the way. Thank you, Brian. Uh, you as well. <laughs> oh, boo me. Then inside the Goblin. That is, it's a yes. incredible name, and uh, you know, I wish you the best as well with your research and as well as your podcast. It's a very great show. I love the content, and keep it coming, my friend. I, you know, it, I thank you, you know, very much. It, it, it's an interesting name. I always, it, it sounds very Japanese, and I wanted a little bit more, uh, something that would ring a bell. You know, everybody knows Google and Yahoo, and Nobobumi sounds like something like Nobobumi. You know, it's like, oh, thank you, Moto. <laughs> you know, it's like a Japanese <laughs> game show. So, so I'm, I'm hopefully we'll be big in Japan again. Um, and like, oh, you're Nobobumi. Um, that would be wonderful. But I do appreciate it, and um, I guess I think we should just, we have a lot to different talk about because we haven't talked in such a long time, and, and what you do and what I do are very similar. We're not just paranormal. 
Um, I think on yours, if I'm, if I'm correct from what I've, you talk about topics that come up, trending topics. Um, you talk about like life uh, in general. Um, and it's not just the paranormal stuff. That, that's correct. Uh, what I do on the Venomous Fringe is to execute and open up a new door towards topics of the unknown, from cryptozoology to a little bit of paranormal. It also comes with some research. It comes with a lot of articles, a lot of intel. Um, I don't. I, I try to make. I, I basically to make it easier for people to understand. I like to try to be considerate a podcast and a story um, domain. Similar to horror stories or Mr. Nightmare on YouTube, yeah. as well as similar to Dogman Encounters and similar to uh, Coast to Coast. You know, I, I try to c combine those two because, in a way, they both have a lot in common if you discuss the topics of the unknown. And it's always interesting to hear from a uh, show host's perspective on the topics of the world, besides sitting behind a microphone interviewing an eyewitness <laughs> or a researcher. You know, you yeah. always want to give them opinion on an instance of the world, such as, of course, uh, for example, if one of my topics I want to discuss on my on the Venomous Fringe is the Battle of Los Angeles, which was the infamous 1942 image that was taking place in, the, in February of 1942 following the uh, incident of Pearl Harbor, where the L.A. Uh, military, well, everyone in the military was on alert because of an unidentified aircraft that appeared in the Los Angeles area, which was why it was called the Battle of Los Angeles, because spotlights were up. And this was, of course, in the wake of Pearl Harbor. So everyone was on alert. But as an example, that's one story I would love to get into and talk about on my show. But that's so basically, I like to try to mix it up between podcasts and story perspectives because I think uh, what makes a YouTube interesting as well as besides a podcast is to shake it up a little bit and having someone come on to a show who subscribe, uh, watch the next video and it's like, oh, another interview. How come it doesn't change it up a little bit? You know what right, I mean? Right. I agree with you wholeheartedly, 100%. Um, on this on this show, the way I wanted to drive it is, uh, you know, it's I want to talk about music. I, I have a couple musicians that are fairly famous i'm in touch with right now trying to negotiate them getting on um people are going to be blown away <laughs> um by these people and and it's not necessarily just just about the music i will throw in a couple of paranormal questions you know because i think there are certain things within us that inspire us to be better or to seek out to become play music to, to paint art there's like an inner spirit and that falls in the paranormal as well it's not just about religion paranormal religion can be paranormal too i mean we're talking about angels coming down descending from heaven and interacting with uh, uh um you know wrestling uh, what is it uh, jacob wrestling the angel i mean that's a paranormal story whether you like it or not just because uh, we put it into a religious context doesn't mean there isn't something strange about it. Because how many times does angels come down, you know, uh, to earth? So it, that's a great way to go. I think, you know, mixing it up is perfect. Absolutely. And it gives the revenue something interesting, too, besides looking at paranormal stories or interviewing various people in the field. You, you switch it off to like musicians and then it really builds a following because a lot of people, I think a lot of people nowadays do enjoy miscellaneous content more than just one single handed content for the sake being that in the repetitive fashion of how we see things nowadays. When you repeat a lot of stuff and when things get old, it gets stale, it dies down quickly. But when you switch it up a little bit and make it more intri intriguing and interesting at the same time, it brings it back up. And that's why I think when you see a lot of those YouTube channels 
nowadays or a lot of podcast channels that have been around since the, for 10 years they slowly die out because the content just becomes repetitive it just you know turns into the same old thing and people don't want to see that that's why you know for turn to changing up to be music interviewing musicians and even in my case for interviewing different stories that's what it's all about and i think that's what really the, the, brings people together is by switching the content up but keeping the same style but just making it a different topic rather than it being the same old spiel so yeah, best of luck seriously with what you do man i really I yeah mean, you know I, I like that and, and you know one of the things and i'm sure you're you're in the same you know mindset is i want people to subscribe to our podcast and to our show you could do that on podbean at inside the goblin universe um but besides that i want them to know like you never know what's going to happen um it's it could be a very big surprise i don't really give previews at the end of shows of who's coming on next i don't want to give that away but you never know who can come on here i mean we could you know i'm just throwing names out by the way we could have eric clapton on this show we could have, you know, some street artists on the show. We actually do have a couple of street artists, famous people, and their representative, a friend of mine. Uh, they're going to come on. We're going to talk about street art. And, you know, you never know what's going to happen. You don't know what else is going to interest you. You can't just live by ghost stories and ghost hunters and ghost adventures alone, you know. I mean, you need to have a little bit more bulk and more substance in the sandwich to get something from it. So um, I, I think that's the route I'm going to be taking uh, from the, you know, that's what I wanted to do originally, and and I'm I'm making it happen right now. But because we we do have paranormal in common, and we kind of got uh, associated with each other in friendship through a, a specific paranormal dogman. Um, what's going on with you and and anything dogman related, uh, especially in your great state? Well, as of right now, uh, the. Venomous Fringe uh, YouTube is actually airing its show, The Ten Tales of Dogman, which is a show that's a mini-series dedicated to the discussion of Dogman, as well as interviewing various individuals in the field of Dogman, whether it's researcher or a eyewitness, an eyewitness, for example. Um, in general, we are, the goal is to give the public a little bit of a domain on what these things are i mean obviously people will come forward with their stories and they'll say listen i saw this i swear to god i can you know they could have a bible in my hand right now and they'll swear on it because and that's kind of the reason why i wanted to bring the subject to light on my youtube because so many people don't know about it but to tell you the truth the situation with dogman right now it's an, it's a huge since we've last spoken very big i've collected a lot of stories i've collected a lot of intel from people and especially in the home state, since my appearance is on your show and, of course, Vic Cundiff's. Right. And, you know, that's kind of where I stand. You know, there's a lot going on. I mean, there's it's there's a lot to there's In the famous fashion of, you know, that's how the cookie crumbles, it, it does crumble. It, it really does. <laughs> you know, it's it's really funny. Um, one of the things, this this happened a couple of months back. And I don't. I think I may have brought it up to you through like a, a the private message or something like that. But I was actually uh, taking. I was down uh, by Point Pleasant, and uh, had my kids there, and they're going to Jenkinson's. Uh, great place, by the way. Uh, Stop by, um, and they're going on the rides, and I'm kind of like I'm not going on the rides. They're doing their thing, and I'm just kind of like hanging out, walking around. And there's a a 7D cinema there. Um, down the boardwalk and it's lo and behold there's this huge werewolf poster on there and it's a big creature i'm like ah and so i i kind of like oh the, oh nice dog man and as soon as i said dog man someone goes yeah dog man 
And I looked over and I met this gentleman there and we started talking about, you know, the dog man itself. And he goes, yeah, those things are pretty scary. They're very dangerous. And we start getting into it. And he starts telling me the story. And this is, and I'm going to tell it to you right now and I'm going to tell it to everybody else right now. So uh, we're, we're there discussing and going, you know, back and forth about dogmen and how dangerous they are and what they are and whatever. And some people are like listening in, but not much. He goes, I got one for you. I said, oh, you know of a dogman story? He goes, yeah, took place in this state. I said, I'm very intrigued. Apparently, there was a family that was going, it was a three-day weekend and they were going camping. Now, he didn't tell me um, what date it was, but they went, they went to some, someplace down in, um, near uh, the Pine Barrens. So I'm, I'm trying to look for the campsite that he's mentioning or in a location near there. And they go out camping, and basically they're in the woods, and they have uh, some incidents with some strange creature there. Long story on this is that the family disappears. So after about a couple of days when they should have returned, some of their family members don't know where they are. They're not answering the phone. They go over to the house. They're not there. They know they went camping. Someone reports them missing. So I believe it was the state police or something or the forestry group, one of the two state agencies, they go looking for this family. And they come upon a tent riddled I mean, it's just riddled with slashes all over it. There's blood everywhere. There's body parts places. There's body parts in trees. And it was a mother, a father, and I think there was two boys and a daughter. And they couldn't find anybody anyplace. They just saw bits and pieces of them. So I said, well, wouldn't this have made the news? He goes, I said, this is something pretty major league. It did make the news. There was some kind of puma or, or bear attack reported over there that took the family. Um, I'm trying to still research this, but long story short, this guy apparently knew people within the agencies down in Jersey, and someone let it slip that it wasn't a bear, and it wasn't a cougar, and it wasn't a mountain lion. It was something not of this world. Um, and the term werewolf was used. So I found that very intriguing and I always wanted, because I know where you live, I was wondering if you heard anything about this at all. Well, for starters, I mean, that reminds me so much of uh, Land Between the Lakes. That's that the first story. thing, yep, exactly. The first thing that popped in my head, I'm like, oh my God, this is Land Between, you know, and, and when he was saying this, I was kind of getting that, like, is this guy taking the Land Between the Lakes story and spinning it for New Jersey? But, uh, uh, you know, the, it just, it was off by a hair, like a, a bunch of hairs, but it was very similar, but I'm like, I asked him about, you know, about Land, land Between the Lakes? And he had no clue about it. And he had a look on his face like, no, I never heard it before. You know, like, there's, there's, sometimes when you catch people and you ask them a question like that, they'll, they'll say no, but you kind of can tell that they're maybe bullshitting you. <laughs> but this guy had definitely a look on his face um, that said, nope, he didn't know about it. But go ahead. Sorry about that. Well, I mean, honestly, when you think of that entire story does remind me so much of Land Between the Lakes for the sake being that basically the same incident happened 
You, you just said it wasn't you, found. If you want, for the, those that don't know about it, you want to just you know, briefly do a, a kind of a summary going on with that? Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Land Between the Lakes is a national recreation park that is located in Kentucky. The infamous story that me and Brian are mentioning is a case that involved in the late 80s involving a family that was murdered at this campsite in one of the parks regions of LBL. I don't know the specific name. And uh, two state troopers reported to the scene and they had witnessed what was a brutal uh, slaughter of a family that was murdered. Uh, limbs and arms and pieces were torn all over the campsite. There was a little girl that was found on a tree with her limbs torn out completely. The RV was totally trashed. So this story was originally told by Jan Thompson, who was a resident of Land Between the Lakes, who lives in the area, uh, and it was second-handed story by sent to this from her. And since then, there's been the big attraction of LBL with this theory of a creature, such as a dogman, that lives there based on the mythology of LBL, because LBL is also notable for a thousand Indian cemeteries, as well as the Hotel California, also known as the Vampire Hotel, which was an incident back uh, in the day involving a vampire uh, residence, as well as a place for orgy, which, of course, uh, not going into any detail, it's pretty clear <laughs> the term, uh, was a well spot. So LBL has its mythos behind it, as well as the Pine Barrens, because the Pine Barrens being notable for the Jersey Devil, Jersey Devil. And yep. satanic and sacrificed rituals that also happened in that area. Um, so that story, you know, to summarize it up, is a pretty compelling case in LBL. Do I believe it happened? Uh, I don't know for sure, because I wasn't there, right. as well as other people. I mean, yeah, someone can tell me a, f a popular story, but... You know who knows how true it is because it's been told and it's been very. It's just so many variations of the story throughout the years, thanks to different uh, researcher testimony coming from one eyewitness. So, right. who knows how true at this point it is? But it wouldn't surprise me in the case of Dogman because there are also bunkers there. Now, some people would say, "Well, are these bunkers used for the apocalypse or nuclear warfare, or in general, uh, as hiding spots for a case of winter rain?" But, of course, there's only there's no doors, there's nothing to cover them up. So it's been questioned that maybe if this place was a, uh, these bunkers are used to capture these creatures for experimentation or to kill. It makes you wonder, of course, if that's the actual purpose, then LBL has a lot more to it. I'm not saying that LBL is a haunted attraction. It most likely is. <laughs> but when it comes to cases such as that, when they're being told secondhand, you, you got to use your head in question, especially after you hear the story being told by in several different variations. It makes you wonder, I mean, who is telling the truth here, if the story is even true at all? Because it feels like sometimes people do add on to the story, and that's been notable, too. People don't, you know, people would think that, you know, oh, people, it wouldn't be surprising if people would be adding more to the story just to make dramatic value. And it's happened before. All, all the with time. With many stories. But... It's to summarize to everybody out there that that is the LBL story. So if you do want to, you want to have a good read on Dogman. If you want to listen to the story, feel free to uh, my YouTube. I have a YouTube episode uh, with Jody Cook, a famous researcher, who's uh, discussed that particular incident on my Venomous Fringe podcast YouTube. So feel free to check it out if you wish. But as well, if you really want to get the full-blooded story behind it, you I would recommend checking it out on the internet, uh, specifically um, Phantoms and Monsters. Yeah, you know, and and I mean, when I heard this, the the, the first thing that rang right in my brain was LBL, um, and so I, I I said I gotta find somebody in Jersey, 
um, you were the first one that popped in my head. <laughs> by, by the way, I'm like, I got to tell Chris this. Um, because I just wanted, I wanted your take on it. Um, I'm not necessarily sold on it, but the way the person was telling it and body language, I'm pretty good at the BS meter. Um, I'm very right. good at it, actually. And it seemed like it was genuine. Now, whether or not the story is true or not, and he's just hearing it from a third party and they're making some story up, I don't know. But I was wondering, because you, I know you do research, and you do a lot of independent research, which I love because I'm an independent researcher as well, and, and we do with Bronxville Paranormal, but Al does independent as well. So wanted to see if you if you got anything on this or you know anything about it. I'm going to give you my honest uh, reaction to sure. it because this this is the first time I'm, I'm hearing of this, and it's pretty it's blown me away because it, it's quite ironic. Because it doesn't surprise me if something like that were to happen in Pine Barrens because the Pine Barrens is a very mysterious place. On top of that, uh, the residents there are it's much it's it's almost as if Pine Barrens is like the spiritual child of LBL because it, it's very creepy. But to elaborate on the incident because this is the first time I'm hearing of it. It does sound very much so, word for word, almost like LBL. The only things that are being left out is that people were, family members were concerned about what happened to them and that it was their bodies weren't discovered the following day. Um, could this incident be uh, a totally attack coming from a dog man? Absolutely. Uh, there, since there's no real record of what happened that's been released to the public, just being told to smoke and mirrors of the typical bear, the typical cougar attack. Right. Uh, bear attacks have, you know, the thing with bears is that you could kill a bear or a bear can kill you, but a bear isn't going to completely disembowel you or leave something behind much like, um, and the perfect example of this was, uh, of the grizzly man, uh, Timothy Treadwell, who died, got killed by a bear along with his girlfriend. Uh, he, he was very notable for Grizzly Man, the award-winning documentary of 2005. Uh, the case that happened was the pilot that picked him up. I'm, I'm going into one different subject after a number, but to <laughs> summarize it for you, to just to clarify uh, with a bear attack, really, a bear, I would think, would not leave nothing behind or leave a, right. it, would it leave that much of a, of, a, of a trail to give the idea that there's something more, pre a vicious predator out here besides, you know, a typical bear. Whereas a dog man... They'll rip you to shreds. It wouldn't surprise me, but it, it, I think what this—if this was a dog man, though—I would. I'm definitely going to have to say it was a fathead, which is, of course, a canine variant four, which is the soldier type, right. the more aggressive dog man. Yeah, a typical canine variant one through three, a type three variants one through three, would not do a, a case similar to this. They would actually chase you out of the woods and leave you alone, or they would send you the warning, but they wouldn't kill you. If they wanted to kill you, they would have done that to over a thousand eyewitnesses by now, especially those who are in the bush constantly. Right. But if it was of a, a canine variant for a fathead type, which is a soldier type, a rogue, a loner type, uh, that one would certainly do the damage. I believe that the, uh, the dogman that murdered the family at LBL was a canine variant for. Do I think that these creatures do possess a supernatural ability of, of immortality when it comes to the fathead type because that's been well-known discussion on them? I don't believe so. I like to kind of allude to the flesh and blood concept. Do I believe that there's been some genetic engineering, some government experimentation, or in general, some disfigurement this, this, uh, this or different features of it? Like, as if, for example, with a typical human being, as an example, you know, not all human beings are the same. You know, we are descendants from our ancestors. We all have different traits, different genes. One baby could come out perfectly normal. One baby might have a disability. Could a dog man have a disability as well? Absolutely. Do I think the canine variant force might be different variations 
versions of them, of course. But going back on track, uh, I've not have heard of this NJ incident. I've heard of one incident in the Pine Barrens coming from my one friend who told me a case that happened to him. Ah. But other than that, I, I've never heard of this story. Uh, I would have to actually speak to the guy, and if he did hear it, for, if it, his, if he did come from a different party and he overheard the story, it's one thing. But of course, if he is just saying this, uh, spewing spew, and said he's never heard of LBL, just to say, look, I've had this story before. You know, feel free right. to document me. It's one thing as well. But clearly, if he wanted that much publicity, I'm sure that he would have asked to come on a show or. To say, listen, I'll go to the press by now and be like, I got to tell you this crazy story. Yeah. So it could be genuine. It could actually, it might actually be genuine because you could detect if someone's saying stuff just for the fun of it. But, you know, at the same time, we've also weren't there. So we wouldn't know off the top of our heads. Right. So to summarize it for you, uh, I do, I, 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 I am a little skeptical of the story because of how similar it is to LBL. So I would have to, and I know this is going to sound ridiculous, I, I would have to be there present. 100%. To watch. Exactly. I, I would never want to be there, and I would wish teleportation would exist at that point. That would be the only <laughs> way I'd be there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Get no. out of there, nick of time. Yeah, I, I, I totally hear you. And, and again, the first thing I thought was LBL when he started talking about the family and then ripped to shreds and then finally, you know, blood and body parts later i mean that's your that's your typical lbl story um the thing i i would took me by surprise was um that it was one happening in new jersey i don't know if many dogmen experiences in new jersey uh, personally um i'm sure there are uh but and 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 i you know i'm thinking i went through the whole gamut you know like mountain lion okay um, they will attack you. You know, any type of cat will, will attack you, especially if you, if you put your back to it or it's hungry enough. Bears will go after you um, if they're starving. We, we, you know, but in general, most of the bear that you have in Jersey, I think, is black bear. Um, and they, they're more afraid of you than, than you of them. So they, they want to stay away from you. But the, the whole mauling aspect of it is very interesting. Of course, when you think of the Pine Barrens, I'm thinking, well, the story started getting me LBL on it, but then the Pine Barrens gets me into that whole uh, uh, the Jersey Devil thing because there have been reports of this thing mauling thing, uh, individuals throughout its, its tenure in New Jersey. Um, but I think the Jersey Devil is more folklore legend than reality, in my opinion. Um, but you, you just mentioned a, a split second ago that you had a, a, a buddy that had an incident. Can you go into that at all? Or, if, or is that... Yeah. One of the main reasons why I do what I do is because of the fact that I've had people come forward to me, some people I, I know, that have had mysterious paranormal and cryptid experiences. You know, and what happened with my one friend, and this happened a couple of years ago, and one of the reasons why he refuses to go camping is for the specific purpose of that he saw something he cannot explain because it's hard to tell a family member, especially to people who are non-believers of this field, uh, that I saw a dog man and, uh, yeah. or a werewolf, for, for the lack of a better term, but to, you know, this fact be that, yeah, I saw a werewolf, they're real. But uh, they look at you twice and they question yourself. Like, and then, well, and you're, then, they, and then they check you to see how much drugs you've been smoking or taking. You know? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> in our society of how ridiculous we are nowadays yep. with the whole beef up 
of, of only closed-minded individuals that absolutely, you know, being past the the uh, the cup to urinate in to make sure that you're you're not taking any THC is well known for people who have <laughs> encounters with these things. But they could still swear to stack the Bibles. They've seen it, especially if they're yeah. a man of God. Oh yeah, they but, will. <laughs> But to uh, elaborate on the story, uh, ironically, this happened in the Pine Barrens, uh, like this story that you just told me. And he, my friend was camping with a, a fellow of his that was, uh, it was in the minute. Now, keep in mind that this was in the early fall and going into the winter. So we were, well, not early. It was basically early fall, but it, felt, it was, keep in mind with how bipolar the weather is on the East Coast. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm in summer in the <laughs> fall sometimes. So. Yes. You know, um, long story short, he goes and he, he, he hears a couple of noises outside. Now, he keep in mind, he's immune. He's heard of the Jersey Devil before. He's heard of the Satanic Colts and all that. He's heard of Pine Barrens in general. So for him, for safety, it was a precaution. So him and his buddy, they, they had pocket knives on him. They also had, um, I, they had some, some other tools, but I don't know specifically because he, I, I don't really speak with him as much, but he is a buddy. But, you know, for what he does be contracted around state, he, he always has something on him to protect himself. But anyways, he was he heard the noises. So they got one of those searchlights and he, one of the fancy lights and they were going into the woods because they wanted to make sure that their environment where they were having this campfire. I forgot to mention that, but they were having a campfire and so that they were protected. So they go out and they take a look and about a couple seconds later, uh, roughly around, uh, they were about maybe about. Uh, about, I wouldn't say half a mile, but about a quarter of a mile away from where their location was with the campfire. And they go ahead and they check in the bush, and then they see a creature, they see something. Well, my buddy saw it first, and then my other, before he freaked out and saw it, his other buddy. Now, keep in mind that this was around the time of the infamous clown sightings, so this was <laughs> roughly a, a uh, so yeah. people were ready to strike in the woods at any second. We had wannabe Rambos left and right. So, um, they were ready to, for action, and then they see this giant creature that's just kneeling down, and the amber eye shine on this thing was pretty nice, according to my friend, and he it just snarled, and they they he kept a grip on that light, and him and his buddy just darted out of the woods. They left the campfire. They got what they can grab, and they made sure they had their smartphone. They made sure they had you know anything that was worth supplies. And they packed up into his truck and just floored it out of there. They didn't even bother to put out the fire. They didn't even bother to come back for their tents. That's how scared they were. Wow. They could care less if they left that anything too valuable behind because their mindsets were getting the hell out. <laughs> and I, and you know, to this day, when I found this out. One of the reasons why I wanted to start doing this kind of stuff with podcasting was because my friend had the encounter, and I showed him a photograph. I showed him several different drawings. Um, from Linda Godfrey to Barton Oli, shout out goes to them. Right. Um, I showed them several different sketches from them, and he pointed out the one that was the LBL beast that wow. was the closest description to this creature. Now, adding a spin onto this LBL similar case, it wouldn't surprise me if this was also another one, like I've mentioned, a canine variant four that my buddy saw, and that it was kind of, or it was a different variant because obviously this thing didn't bother to attack them. Now, one thing that I want to mention that was uh, interesting was that in the case of what was going on that night, there was wildlife because they got to this campsite around 5 o'clock. And keep in mind that the sun was ready to start, didn't start setting down until maybe 6 or 7. This was after before the daylight savings. And he, the wildlife's always out, but 
they got everyone stopped birds and all them start chirping around the eight nine o'clock mark so around the time they had he had the encounter so if for for like the short long story short you know one of the most common things with a wild a giant predators around is that the wildlife gets quiet so in this case uh, that was his first hint so his second hint was hearing those noises the strange howls and hint three was obviously uh he saw the creature and so to this day he's still traumatized he has refused to go back to the woods even if it was to go to his own backyard he only goes into his own backyard during daylight and he has a little bit of woods around him but it's a suburban so he's not necessarily surrounded by woods 24 7 he has a suburb and he's you know he's filled with majority of people and he even has uh people that do bonfires around his in, uh, in his neighborhood so he's, he's he feels safe but he refuses to go out camp, and I even tried to convince him to go back to the Pine Barrens, maybe if he had the strength to, and instantly he was just, you know, shaking. That just goes to show how much of an impact seeing one of these creatures is to an individual. Oh, a huge impact. I mean, you know, you hit the nail right on the head. When you have a, a, a predator in the area, everything goes silent. Even the frogs shut up. Uh, they just know something's going down, and no one wants to be the dinner. Um, that's one. Two, the whole snarl aspect of it, um, I think I kind of agree with you on the variant because in general, most of the dogmen, you know, type threes, I, I think there's a mix between, a, um, I'm going to go Sasquatch, Bigfoot, and these dogmans. I think there has been a breeding thing going on with them. Um, they don't, they're not as aggressive as the fours and the soldiers. I mean, those things are super duper aggressive. Um, you know, picture a 12-foot muscle-bound muscular teenager that's a hooligan or a hoodlum, you know, and, and then just add the fangs and the claws to it. I mean, it's a killing machine. And the fact that it didn't do anything except growl, I think, was maybe it was just um, by itself at that point. I, I normally know of, of stories when you see one dog, man, that you bet your ass you better check your six because there's usually one trying to sneak up behind you um, nine out of ten times. So I think this may have been out on its own for whatever reason, uh, came across them, was spying on them. They went out and met it, and it let them know, don't mess with me because I'm going to take you down. And it's good enough for most people. Um, it's a scary sight. Uh, you know all the stories. When people have these encounters with these cryptids, these creatures, they see the amber eyes, uh, nine out of ten times you're going to get people that have nightmares and they're going to have visions of these things. Um, on top of that, there's some kind of correlation where some of these creatures visit these people at their homes. You know, um, and one of those questions like, well, how can they know where I live? I live like 150 miles away. Well, just for the record, most wolves that are out there have a 150 mile radius hunting zone. That's where they hunt. Take a wolf, multiply it by 10,000, just in size, sheer size. And do you think this thing is not going to have a 500-mile radius? Uh, it could even have a, a, up to a 1,000-mile radius hunting ground. Uh, you know, so I, I would have gotten out of there too. I mean, it would have been a very interesting um, experience. But when you get growled at by these creatures, you don't, you don't want to play around. It's safety first, folks. 
Oh, I, I, absolutely. And I agree 100 percent with you. I've, I actually told him, you know, when he told me that story, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that you're 100 percent that you're not torn to shreds and that, you know, it wasn't a uh, bear attack. Because at the end of the day, uh, with these things and when we bring up about safety, I never encourage nobody to go out there and try to kill or hunt one because really in in the case of so many people who are wannabe Rambos, yeah. If you're gonna go out and try to kill one of these things, you better hit it. Because if you don't, it's gonna suck. And on top of that, these creatures have a bond. And that's why when it comes to supernatural discussion of the telepathic connection or a uh, a spiritual connection with each of these creatures that they have an ability to communicate with one another, even if they're a mile or so away, because people have questioned about how do these creatures know that I'm in the woods instantly. I see it as they can have a great sense of smell. I believe they use their snouts like a typical dog real well. And I believe that they know when there's a, another a potential threat slash uh, unknown visitor in their perimeter. And they want to, whether they have family that they hide in shelter for the protection term or they just want to go ahead and just take a shot at another human being just to mess with you. And I've read this theory that 90% of encounters are from juveniles. But I have to disdain that because I question it as well as some of these encounters may be from just adults that just warn you that you're in their territory and you need to get out. Now, you could scare one off if you use an air horn. You can fire a gun at one, but I don't think it's going to take a bullet wound as a compliment of staying away from me. It's going to be like, well, now you want to fight. So you're going to get a fight, and it's not going to end well. So I always encourage people, and even for people who are listening to the show, and eventually for if you wish to check out my show in the future, I always encourage you, everybody, and this goes for everyone, never try to hunt one, never try to shoot one. Use your head in the woods. If you see one, back away slowly and just leave it be. And if it tries to attack you, by all means, do what you need to do in self-defense. Right. But don't try to kill one. Yeah, you know, it's it's really funny. I was, I was there was a conversation in one of the groups that that, that are dedicated to Dogman, and somebody about um, going after it, hunting it, or killing it. And I said to that person, "That's a bad idea because these these creatures, if like I said before, if you get the one in front of you, the one behind you knows you're there. Um, I think there is some kind of collective." Uh, I don't know if it's, you know, it's I, I, I always think of Star Trek and the Borg where everybody is part of the collective. So if one entity of the collective knows, you know, there's apples in one room, the other one knows there's lemons in the other room, everybody knows there's apples and lemons and where they are. Um, somehow these, these, these cryptids um, know exactly, you know, what's going on, who you are, um, and... It depends on uh, the ju. I, I do believe in the juvenile aspect of it. Um, you know, you, you usually get the stories of them, you know, mucking about in uh, cemeteries and uh, hanging out there. Because I think most people, I think they do that primarily because most people in their right mind wouldn't visit a cemetery at night. You know, that this is a scare factor there, so that they're free to go and do whatever they want for the most part, and you know, hang out and, and do their thing. But I, I also have heard so many stories of. Someone taking a shot at this thing, point blank, you know, when, when people hunt or, or they shoot, they aim for the chest. These creatures have uh, a skeleton uh, or, or, or skin so thick, it's kind of like a moose. 
Moose can take a 45 round straight up. Um, you got to get it in the right spot to really cause damage. You're just going to piss it off. Eventually, a moose will go down, but for something with these creatures, I think if you're going to, and I don't recommend hunting them, um, and you, you have some kind of firearm, uh, you better start aiming for the genitalia. You aim for their um, snout, um, their eyes, um, and, and you don't let up until you've used every round because what happens nine out of ten times is these creatures get revenge. And they somehow follow you, they get your scent, they track people back to their homes, and, and what happens after that is not a pretty picture. It usually ends in a lot of bloodshed. Um, so, like yourself, you come across this thing in the woods, I recommend backing away if you can. Um, I also recommend that if you are going into any woods, even for camping purposes, um, take with you a machete. Um, one, they make, it's, it's good to cut down, you know, if you need firewood or whatever, but it's a really good protective device. And for some reason, um, even through the Native American folklore, uh, they definitely fear the blade because even though a bullet can penetrate you, a blade can cut you in half. So I've heard plenty of stories where these things backed away because they've noticed that this one has a knife or they have some kind of long blade on them. And you can't really recuperate if you've been cut and sliced. So it, it, it's, you know, I'm glad your buddies are right, but I, I don't blame them for not wanting to go out in the woods, <laughs> you know, go camping and get the tent, you know. Um, I would love to have gone back there to get tracks. I don't know about you. Oh, I, I would have loved to. If I was there, I would have loved to have gone back, especially, but at the same time, I mean, when it comes down to what someone else might say necessarily, it would be coming to the, the to terms of like, well, you know, this this could be easily a great idea to come back, but at the same time, I mean, who knows if it's still there? And that's that's the thing with me, you know, yeah. I'm not gonna sit there and just go ahead and go into an environment that I fit. And I, and I it's I wouldn't say it's like a spiritual connection, but I would just say more of the fact that I'm sensing something that doesn't because i i do have that beautiful sixth sense luck sometimes that right. i know this bad's gonna go down oh and yeah if i was to be in that situation i would certainly wait a few days maybe if maybe just another day or two not even a few just go back a couple days later and just see if i could find something until my mindset is completely fulfilled that there's nothing out here that could cause inedible damage because if you truly do think about it, I do think that these creatures are capable of possibly staying in environments for a brief period of time, but wait until they know that someone else is not going to come out there and get them. And there's no question park rangers don't know this stuff because they do. And it's the question of, well, why don't they want you to know? And it's the simple case being that when there, when money talks, there's a lot of things that walk. And it's going to come down to if I'm being paid $90,000 a year just to keep my mouth shut, just being a simple park ranger compared to making the annual income a park ranger makes, which is a, a huge increase depending on where you stand with it, um, I'll take the money. At the same time, if I'm being threatened to be killed because I know a little too much, then I will certainly take the money. Money, you know, you see oh, yeah. green, it'll make your, it, it, your, you get all fuzzy inside. I've seen it before. <laughs> I've seen green people. 
Trust me, and even yeah. not even in crypto world, I've just seen greed work perfectly. You could, you could. Money talks is this this to categorize it for everybody. Money talks, yep. it does. And and you know when you get into these crazy situations where, you know, he said, she said, and there's a lot of infighting going on throughout this whole paranormal community. Uh, my first answer is follow the money. Who's making money on it and who's not? Because the person making money on it has everything to lose. The person that's not making money on it. They're telling you the truth in general. Oh, I, uh, I agree 100%. You know, uh, but I, I agree with you. I mean, I know the part, you know, we have uh, through through Al and I think his family members, some people are park rangers, and they don't, they will not discuss it, even, even when they're not working. Um, it's the same thing. I have a lot of friends that are pilots. They won't publicly state about UFOs or UFO encounters, um, but... You'll usually get them coming up to you at some kind of like family function, a barbecue or whatever, and say, like, well, there's this one time when I was blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, it's off the record. Um, and I may re, re, you know, recraft the story to, to protect them because confidentiality is a key with me. If you don't want it, your name known or whatever, I'll do my best to 100% so it can't be followed back to you. But... Um, these these cryptids are a really crazy breed. I don't know. I didn't want to believe in them because they're that scary type of creatures. I thought when I started hearing Dogman and all this and that, um, oh, these people are crazy. You know, they're seeing fairies in the woods or, or whatever, or, or, you know, some they're making it up. It's in their mind. But like I said earlier, when you get people that have more to lose than gain telling you these stories and they can kind of back it up and they've been vetted, um, you know, it makes you wonder. And it also scares the hell out of you because I know um, usually where you have a Bigfoot, you're going to have dogmen. They, they kind of go hand in hand. They don't really live well with each other, but one stays on one side of a creek, the other will stay on the other side. Um, you just better hope you're on the right side of the tracks when you come across one of these. And Bigfoots can be aggressive too, but in general... They just leave me alone, you know, don't bother me type of situation. But a dog man, um, it, it, it'll, it'll get your, you know, the willies going. And, um, yep, I, I can't believe we still investigate these things. But we're going on an investigation in a couple of weeks. And we're going to be looking for it. We're just following up on our report. I don't think it's there anymore. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the what if. You got to know. You know, I don't know about you, but part of what we do, I think, is we need to know that answer. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's what it comes down to. I, I'm not saying, and I'm just going to go off on the record because, you know, for me, I understand why there might be a cover-up with UFOs and, of course, a cover-up with creatures such as Dogman, Sasquatch, Mothman. At the same time, though, it's not like we aren't aware of what bears are. It's not like we're not aware of what cougars are. We all know that when you're in the woods, there's always, there's a lot of things you got to watch out for. Yeah, you might be away from human civilization, but you also got to deal with the apex predators of the of the woods, and that's an important thing when it comes to doing this stuff. Is always knowing your surroundings. You mentioned about a whole thing with uh, Dogman that one could be sneaking up behind you while you see one. That's what it comes down to when you're doing this type of stuff. Is you got to be diligent and you got to be, you know, 
keep your mindset at, at a rate where you'll know that there's nothing that's going to transpire or become chaos at any second. So when it comes to the whole discussion of like, yeah, if one person can't talk about it or say anything, I get that. But my question would be is, well, why is it that I have the uh, there's over 10,000 people a year that can come into a group that can come into come on a show and discuss this stuff. And meanwhile, that's a small number compared to how many U.S. citizens are in this country. But when you think about it, 10,000 people estimate coming a year discussing this stuff. It's not like we all know each other either. It's not like we all text each other and say, I'm going to come on this show this week, and then next week I'm going to have my uncle come on the show and discuss it right. as well. So there's a reason why people come forward with this stuff. It's not like it's not known to some others. This is it. I, I, I could talk to a bunch of subscribers nowadays who sit there and they're like, I, I've never heard of this. I've had people talk about it, but I didn't know that these things were real. And then I have people that come on and be like, oh, well, I've had an encounter and I've wanted to share it with you. You have people that join the groups and they want to discuss their stories. So, I mean, it works both ways. I just question why it doesn't it's so covered up when nearly the entire brief of social media that follows this stuff knows about it so yeah. what i would love to see in our future and i know we will never get it is to see uh one day we have an, an address that's mentioned that these creatures do exist and that it is revealed to the public i don't know if it takes a, a well-known politician to get mauled by a dog man or to be captured by a sasquatch <laughs> uh, i'm not trying to stir up controversy here with the vision of, of how divided america is with politics, with yeah. the Republican lovers and Democrat lovers and whatnot. But, for example, if Donald Trump were to be killed or be taken hostage by a dogman for some ridiculous reason, um, would that be enough evidence to say, well, these creatures exist? And it's, it's not like a bear has the ability to pick up a human being and capture, hold them while walking on two legs and say... Or in general, be like, I have your president. You better try something. Or yeah. you know, like it's not like you don't see that coming from bears. You could see that coming from dogmen and Sasquatch because they are strong enough to pick up a human being and to take them into the woods. They can run with them. They can walk with them. A human being can easily pout and get out of the. Be like, this is ridiculous. Let me go. Let me go. And they won't do nothing about it because obviously these creatures weigh over six hundred pounds. And the last time I checked, very muscular. And the last time I checked, I have yet to meet one person who was able to able to wrestle a dogman or a sasquatch and somehow win you know <laughs> yeah it, it's so it's it's a it's a craziness um i think part of the reason why this is just kept hush hush is the the scare factor um and it goes back to monetary too you know if if you know go visiting yosemite you have a chance of meeting a bigfoot or or a dogman or getting captured or disappearing um that's going to keep people and families away that that's a loss of revenue for these places um, I think uh, David Pallades has, you know, this whole series, Missing 411, and there's, you know, there's numerous people that just go, go missing every year. I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of them that have gone missing since the summer started, uh, where you'll, you'll have like uh, four or five people walking on a path in a straight line, and the next thing you know, one of the guys is, just disappears. And then they find him, 
you know, weeks later at some place, he's dead and his shoes are off or something. It, it really bizarre. Well past where, you know, anywhere near the location that, that he went, he or she went missing. Um, there's a lot to be said about that. If, if more people knew about that, how many people would say, hey, let's go to, let's go to the Grand Tetons, uh, kids. You know, do you want to put your family in that type of jeopardy? These are, these are, are, are serious type of, of predators. Um, there's plenty of stories, folks, of bears, grizzly bears, running from these things. And if a grizzly, who is probably arguably the most dangerous predator in the United States, with the exception of man, um, you know, and they're running from this, that means that this thing is really that big and powerful. Um, it, it, so it, it begs the question, you know, um, why people would, would actually want the government to let them know about this. Sometimes ignorance is bliss, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, when you go into the, of how when grizzlies are the, one of the most dangerous predators, uh, or at least wild animals of the world, of America at least, you know, compared to man, as you mentioned, right. um, you think of it as uh, orcas, how they're a typical whale, but yet great whites they're a predator like the, the orcas are a predator to a great white and how a great white is, is scared to death of a, of a of an orca oh yeah so you know, if you think of it it's like well dogmen are like the orca of the cryptozoology when it comes to typical mammals we are aware of such in the zoology like um bears and cougars i i've seen i've seen enough photographs to say that a cougar mauled to death a deer ripped of shreds that you have a large predator that is not like a grizzly that could rip an entire uh, body limb to limb and somehow miraculously um, have that strength do that. Oh, yeah. Whereas the bear doesn't can only just really just use its mouth to to uh, to rip yeah. things to shreds. It, it's it's pretty interesting how all these different animals work and and how they operate in the wild. One of the things that I I came across. In, in my research, and when we're talking about these cryptids, the bipedal cryptids, mind you, Sasquatch, Bigfoot, uh, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, whatever you want to call it, Dogman, um, Abominable Snowman, um, those cryptids, the, the Abominable Snowman, uh, you know, over in Tibet, they are very aggressive. This is the same thing uh, that supposedly attacked all those people in Ural, on the Ural Trail. Um, and just ripped them to shreds. People, uh, bodies were found in trees. Um, the reports of that cryptid, which is basically a, a, a winterized Bigfoot for the most part, these animals are very aggressive. They do not like anybody near them, and they're known to attack all the time. I'm wondering, going down the line, is there a relationship between the, the, the Yeti and the Dogman, more so than Bigfoot and the Dogman? Now, we have the different variants of Dogman, but and and you know the fours being the, the more soldier-like are very aggressive. I'm wondering if there's a it's a bigger connection there. You ever have you ever uh, did any research on any of that? Uh, I've I've looked into it, but I haven't necessarily taken a, a stab at it because I I do believe that there are as a as a huge relationship, a, a huge site of comparison with dogmen with. Um, Abominable snowman, uh, Sasquatch, and dogman. Now, when it comes to behavior, when we think of a, of a dogman, or we think of uh, 
or such as that. We, we would think of the typical, or at least we, I always try to categorize the way Dogman, the terminology is called that because of how they resemble a German Shepherd's head and how they resemble your typical house dog. Right. But they have the instincts of your average canine, which is, of course, a wolf, which is a... You know, when you think of a, of a, a wild wolf, a typical predator wolf, and then when you think of a, I always try to best describe these creatures as the mixture, your average nightmare between a Sasquatch, a wolf, and a bear. And <laughs> why I say a bear is because of how they are very similar in aggression, except that a bear can't do what a dog man does. They don't have the ability, same with a Sasquatch, to easily rips up on the shreds compared to I could just maul you to death. A dog man can do that, but it could also easily rip uh, uh, your arm out, or it, it could easily it, it, it clean. It does a much more cleaned up murder spree, if I would, for the lack of a better <laughs> expression. Right. But you know, when it, when you look at comparisons and whatnot, I would say a yeti and a dog man might be similar because they are, are aggressive, that they have the similar aggression feed. But I'm also prompted to believe as well from some stories about dog men how they're also similar to Sasquatch. Some dog men, especially the type threes. Right. Are not as harmless, or you know, they're not as vicious. It's like your typical, um, like it's a, it's a. I see dog, but this is crazy because I am, a, I am, I am a bit of a freak for arachnids. Um, it's almost as like your typical small little innocent house spider is like the innocent harmless dog man, the type three that might want to go into your garbage for some food, but really isn't no harm and runs away from you. And there's been some cases with that. And then there are those who chase you out of the woods and just straight up just don't like you, which I would kind of level as the aggressive ones. You would think of your <laughs> typical brown recluse and your black widow or your, yep. your typical tarantula that just hates, that just likes to defend itself and put in the strike pose. Well, I see the same view with that of the typical dog man. I think the more uh, canine-like ones are the more aggressive, whereas the type 3 ones, they could also be aggressive, but they probably don't give you much agility. I'm not saying that all canine variations are, are aggressive, because there are some nice ones, I would believe, but at the same time, it's a matter of, well... It depends on how this dog man wants to take me today. Does it hate me? Does it want to rip me to shreds? Does it just want to kill me? Or does it just want to chase me? Yeah, yeah. you know, I think they're opportunists for the most part. Um, and depending on, you know, when you get the ones that are, you know, kind of rowdy and, and, and you know, like that teenage angst. And, um, they you know, sometimes I think what happens is that they, they're just bored and they want to play. Um, just like there's some Sasquatch stories of, of them interacting with human beings, you know, swapping out a doll for like a stick figure doll. And, you know, it's boring out there in the woods. Um, and they see these people and human beings, not only as prey, but as a playful aspect of it. Um, let's go mess with this one. You know, it's kind of like the, what is it? The, the, the uh, messing with Sasquatch, you know? Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, yes. I mean, you know, the stories of these dogmen's uh, coming over to the to someone's home and and peeking in on them and then like you'll have one ring in the back door or, or knocking on the back door and the the other one knocking on the front door. It kind of I think they get off on the fact that they can scare the hell out of people, and they think it's funny. Um, you know, in general, they're pretty <laughs> malicious type of cryptids in my opinion. I, I I've heard very few if far in between stories of positive out out you know positive outcomes from from in dogman encounters in general it doesn't really work out well uh for for the individual 
uh, whether they're scared or not. These things, you know, are very territorial, very aggressive. Um, whereas I've seen stories with Bigfoot uh, and, you know, one of the great guys out there that, that put some really good information out there, Vic Cundiff, uh, this a story of a, a woman walking her dog down a, a road, you know, a darkened road or whatever, and she comes a, a, upon a Bigfoot who's near a sign, and the Bigfoot's shooing her away and, um, you know, trying to scare her off. And the reason is because there's a dogman ahead, you know, and, and I've, I've heard stories of Bigfoots protecting human beings Whereas I've never heard of a dogman protecting a human being whatsoever, um, so it, it, it's a, it's a scary prospect. But uh, we 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 have discussed a lot about dogmen. Um, we spent a lot of time there. But let me ask you about uh, venomous fringe. Where can our fans hear venomous fringe? Where can they contact you? And you know, is there, you know, is there a place where they can send questions to you or or give you suggestions of people they'd love to see on the show? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the Venomous Fringe is a uh, hub on YouTube. I use it as a, as a main database for interviewing various researchers in the field and discussing various um, situations in, in uh, our world, such as some very known cases. Um, for example, uh, Battle of Los Angeles 1942, which is a case I want to discuss on my show, but I'm not going to I'm not going to bring it in as a narrative of me podcasting discussing it. I'm going to bring it in as almost like a small documentary type feel to it. For, for Basically, for what I'm trying to do is turn it into a hub for, it looks like it's a scary video, but really, I just it, it's it's intelligent, but at the same time, we want to make it, it intriguing. Right. I, can also do, I also plan on using doing a discussion in general as a full podcast episode on my views on it, but majority of it is going to be me interviewing various eyewitnesses and researchers and discussing various uh, short documentary-like style uh, topics. As well, you could find it on YouTube for people uh, that you could use. That's, that's the Venomous Fringe. That's V-E-N-O-M-O-U-S Fringe, F-R-I-N-G-E. As well as for you to contact me, you can contact me at thevenomousfringe at gmail.com. Again, that's V-E-N-O-M-O-U-S-F-R-I-N-G-E at gmail.com. And, of course, I'm always open to do a Q&A with people. If people would like to submit your questions, if you would like to ask me something in general, uh, feel free to. If you even want to, you could like the Venomous Fringe on Facebook. Same name, so you could. It's not hard to find us. You could find us through there as well. And of course, I mean, we always like to hear feedback. And one of the more important things about what I, why I do this is because you know I want to showcase what we all what what other people can contribute to the field, especially young and old. Uh, say, you know, it's it's a very fascinating uh, world we live in with various topics and. I can't get enough of it, so of course, as always, that's it. but for, for get to it, that's where you guys can contact me, and that's what the Venomous Fringe is all about. Yeah, what I love about your show is that it's not just paranormal, and I think we've had this discussion before, we're not just paranormal, um, you, you have other, other, you know, I guess current affairs type of thing, or trending, and... I like the fact that you don't really know if you're going to get that paranormal side to it or we're going to talk about music or what's taking place in the country. It's, it's a great podcast, folks. Uh, we're going to put up all the links 
and all the information on our NovoVumi.com as well as InsideTheGoblinUniverse.com. So um, you'll be able to link and get straight to the show on the YouTube. Uh, we'll do it on our Facebook page, InsideTheGoblinUniverse uh, on Facebook, as well as NovoVumi uh, on Facebook. Um, and we're just going to, you know, if you have any questions too, and questions for Chris, because we will forward them to him, you can hit us up at questions at InsideTheGoblinUniverse.com. And if you go to our website, InsideTheGoblinUniverse.com, um, there's a form on there. So you can just fill it out and you can say for Chris and ask him questions or ask him, you know, get this guest on, want to hear you talk about this or that. Um, we'll definitely share with Chris. He's part of the, the family here. Um, and Chris, you know, it's always great having you on and having, having talks with you about just paranormal and anything in general. You, you know, you're one of the good guys in the field. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate the kind words as you as well. You know, very fantastic researcher, great show host, and like to continue that tradition as well, my friend. You know, I love speaking with you and love to hear what you have to say. So thank you again. Seriously, thank you for having me on tonight. It's always a pleasure. I hit the wrong button. I try to mute myself so I don't have any more background noise. It's always a pleasure having you on. You're welcome anytime at any point. Um, we're going to do some roundtable type of discussion, so I'd like to invite you to those. And it's going to cover the gamut. So it could, you know, we don't know where it's going to go. We're going to, like, roll a dice and say, we're talking about this today. Like, we're going to be talking about ghosts today. Or we're going to talk about UFOs. And uh, there's tons of UFO sightings in New Jersey. <laughs> we could talk about that as well. Um, I had several in your state um, down by the Jersey Shore, which is very interesting. But um, we're out of time for today. And I want to thank you again, Chris, for coming on. I do appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. I'm glad that I was glad to come on. Thank you again for having me. Oh, it's always a pleasure. And for all our ghouls, goblins, family, and friends, we want to thank you for joining Nobobumi. That's nobody but me, where we go deep inside the goblin universe. Tune in next week. We're going to have another new guest. And also check out, we're throwing up on the Podbean, which is inside the goblin universe.podbean.com. We're throwing up some special episodes of the show that I started. A long time ago with my uh, cohorts, Alice Anarika and Cindy Bailey Dove. It's called Beyond the Realm. We got uh, great accolades. We were kicking ass and taking names. And unfortunately, the network we were on uh, didn't like the competition. <laughs> but we may be revisiting that. But until next week, you're listening to Nova Boomy, Nobody But Me. And we will see you. Bye. Hey, this is Brian Bowden. I want to extend a deep thanks to Purple Planet. You guys rock. You're listening to Noble Boomy, where we explore deep inside the Goblin universe. The opinions expressed on Noble Boomy are of that of the host and his guests.